Hello and welcome to Business Line podcast. This conversation you're about to hear is a part of Business Line Stable Talk series. Conversations with leaders on their life and times and their businesses. In this episode, Vinay Kamath, Senior Associate Editor of the Hindu Business Line Chennai, speaks to Nestle India Chief Suresh Narayanan. For the uninitiated, Narayanan joined Nestle in 1999 as Executive VP of Sales. He was in Egypt during the Arab Spring in 2011 with all the chaos in the country. From Egypt, Narayanan headed to the Philippines, one of Nestle's largest and most prestigious markets. But in four months, in August 2015, he was sent to India to handle the Maggie crisis. No conversation with Narayanan is complete without asking him about how he handled it. We chat about his 40-year corporate journey, how Nestle coped the past two pandemic years, especially with COVID roaring back, and discuss his interest beyond corporate life and the impact his near and dear ones had on his success. Thank you for tuning in. Let's dive right in. Over to Vinay Kamath. You know, no conversation with any corporate chief today is, you know, bereft of asking somebody about how did you manage the COVID situation. I know that you talked a lot about it. You talked about how empathy is important and how people are very critical about the business. Business is important, but people are important. So, how did you manage this entire COVID crisis? I'll be switching back and forth a bit from your sure. personal life and sure. Look, sure. Vinay, no, I think uh, you know. Uh, leadership styles and leadership context uh, draw themselves not only from the experience profile of the person, but also from the uh, purpose, values, and behaviors that the organization that he represents uh, embodies. And to me, I think this has been a very important lesson uh, in the fact that if a company is blessed with a corporate culture a set of values uh, purpose and behaviors that are consistent over a period of time and that uh, in some sense embody professionalism but also combine with it the music of empathy and compassion uh, you can tide over any crisis and uh, you know my company Nestle India has not been free from crisis. We've had our own yeah. existential crisis uh, some years ago. But if there is one single uh, factor that has helped us to come out of uh, very difficult situations, it has been this uh, camaraderie of uh, people. You know, when I told you that uh, you know I'm here in the office to meet my colleagues, uh, it is for me and it is for them a genuine. meeting of the family you know we we feel we feel like a spirit uh, that is united by a single cause and by the cause of of the brands the company and the context that we uh, that we uh, that we represent and i think that has been probably the single most important uh, pivot in uh, the ability of me and my team uh, in this situation so people has been at the center of uh, what we have tried to focus on during this period you know we have what we call our five p's which is people purpose partnerships uh, planet but i think uh, what has really driven the whole uh, the whole performance which is the fifth p of the other company has been the focus on the first four 
and this alone I believe can reap very rich dividends not just to a company that is trying to do good to as many people as it can and being a force for good but also it can bind people together and uh, and in a very positive constructive way when uh, difficult times happen so uh, my focus has been you know in my discussion with the teams this uh, my team this morning uh, has been 90% around people what's happening to our people what do they feel how can we empower them more uh, how do we now when we have omicron you know staring us in the yeah. face how are we going to you know and already 2 years of of being apart as a team how are we going to manage this transition uh, for a longer period of time that has been the main context and has been surprisingly less on uh, whether we need to address particular brands or particular issues those are there but they are a smaller part of the spectrum the largest part is really on our people is on our partnerships you know we have number of distributors we have number of farmers we have number of entities who we deal with and whose livelihoods depend on us uh, and i think i think these become far more important in the situation in which we are in than just performance you know i can i can tell you reams about the performance of the company and yeah. you can say suresh you are performing but there are 10 other companies also which are performing well so it's not you're not the only uh, chap who's doing well uh, what distinguishes you from the from the others what i would distinguish is uh, the distinction of our culture and coping mechanisms that we have as an organization and this comes with purpose values and with longevity right okay let me just backtrack a bit so you're been primarily a delhi boy or did you grow up look i my 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 father uh, worked at the the border roads organization okay. so he built uh, he built uh, roads in the in the border so my childhood was spent in places like uh, dehradun and uh, joshimat uh, nagaland bhutan oh right um, so this is where uh, he was and uh, so my parents decided that, uh, after a certain stage that uh, uh, this kind of nomadic life would do no good for my education schooling yeah so they sent me to i arguably it is the best school i believe uh, the best choice that they made for me was to send me to rishi valley okay so i studied yeah. at 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 rishi valley madrapalli uh, for almost 5 uh, years of my right. schooling so i finished from rishi valley and then my father was then posted in uh, Delhi right so i did my uh, economics honors from delhi university from uh, uh, shriram college of commerce shriram okay then i was wanting to be a bureaucrat because my family background are bureaucrats my father is a technocrat his father was a bureaucrat and uh, you know you know it's a typical south indian thing that yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, if you are not into iit or if you are not a doctor then you should be a bureaucrat so i Crack the IAS or something. Crack the IAS. That was yeah. the that was the objective. So I never applied for, uh, never gave the GMAT, never gave the CAT. I joined Delhi School of Economics, and lo and behold, in my second year, I got recruited by what was then called Hindustan Lever, now okay. as a management trainee. Right. And 
this june 2021 i i celebrated uh, 40 years in uh, the corporate world right so but for uh, actual recruiting from school apart from the management schools so that time well uh, i think you know, HUL um, did have the policy of being a little bit more broad-based, and uh, uh, but they had not come to the Delhi School of Economics for many, many years. Right. So sometimes I honestly believe, when uh, uh, in the in the power of of karma and the power of destiny. Right. Uh, I don't know what it was. They came and they requested people to apply, and they said only the top ten need apply. Right because uh, they were very selective. So I applied. Uh, I was not even going to apply. Then uh, the head of the, of the placement committee, he said, you know, please apply, or at least take a shot at it. And then I spoke to my one of my uncles who was in the IAS. And uh, he told me, yeah, yeah, you know, it's good good for to get the, go through their interview because that in your IAS uh, interview, it's quite tough. Okay. And the lever interviews also, I believe. Okay. Uh, so just for the experience. For the experience. Okay. He said, you go for the experience. Maybe it's a good thing. And my father said, no harm. Apply for it. And anyway, I, I, I believe that I stood no chance because uh, yeah, I was a master's in economics, and they were looking for you know business school graduates. And IIT and IIM was yeah. like the common the denominator in that, uh, in that in that uh, organization. And uh, but I think sometimes when uh, in life when you are not uh, when you are very bindas about the consequences of what you do, you land up doing actually well. Right. That's what really probably happened. So I got I got through the rounds in Delhi because that was the and then I was called for the final round in uh, in Bombay and uh, it was a couple of weeks to go for my exam. So I in fact requested for an air ticket. Never done. In the mm. in the company, but I was given an air ticket okay. to fly down to to Bombay. I went through the interview round, and you know we had case studies. Did you meet the chairman then? Uh, not at that time. Okay. Uh, we had uh, case studies. I I didn't know honestly when I what a case study was. Right. Well, I know theorems and hypotheses right. uh, in economics, but I didn't know case studies. So, so I asked, business case, yeah. Uh, so a business case study I've never done. Yeah. So I remember there was a young lady from I am Calcutta next to me. And I asked her, I said, what is a case study? So she okay. looked at me, she said, are you telling me you don't know what a case study? She was astounded. Okay. So I said, uh, maybe she felt one less uh, competitor anyway, because this guy will flounder. She said, no, it's a, it's a, it's a business write-up, and then you'll be asked questions on it, and there'll be discussion around it. So I, I went through that, uh, that case study, and uh, in half, I was, more than half, I was certain that I was not going to make it. I said, look, Everybody here is so clever and so articulate and so much into it because their IAM time has been spent on case studies. And what am I a fellow? Were you able to feel those questions? Though I was, I was able to. I, I, I think I did. I must say that uh, I answered more generally. And uh, one of the characteristics I have is that I don't get, uh, I don't get tongue-tied. You know, I, I can make a reasonable answer uh, right. even if it is not the most, uh, most. Uh, intelligent or evocative answer. So I did do it, and then um, uh, the gentleman was selection and, and training manager. I right. remember uh, there was a gentleman called Mansukhani. Mansukhani, you know, okay. Mansukhani. So T. Right. Mansukhani came and he said, Ladies and gentlemen, not all of you uh, get selected in this company and go to the final interview, but 
uh, all of you are very bright and all of you are great and you know etc etc he says but we have shortlisted uh, Mr. Suresh Narayanan for the final interview. So Out of how many candidates? After I think we were what, 14 or 15 of them. Oh, and you were the only one. Uh, yeah. oh, wonderful. So I, <laughs> I I fell off my chair when I said, look, I mean, there must be some mistake. I said, no, this is Suresh Narayan, you are Suresh Narayan. So the one they want to see. And what about that girl? Was her eyes, eyes so popping she out? Must have, <laughs> uh, she must have been shocked and I didn't get to chat with her afterwards, of course, but... I think it was surprising to most people that, okay. uh, that that was the case. So I went there. Um, so you dropped all your plans of the civil service? Yes, because I went uh, went for this uh, final interview and uh, one of my uh, the mentors in, in my, my, my career, Mr. R. Gopalakrishnan, uh, was also on that panel. And uh, it, was a, it was a stellar panel to think, you know, uh, uh, Shunu Sen, who used to... Oh, yeah, Shunu Sen used to write for us. Yes, uh, Shunu Sen was Wonderful on stuff, panel. Yes. Uh, then there was Tarun Sheth, who was a great uh, uh, management development yeah. manager of the company. He set up Shilputsi Consultants. Shilputsi, yeah. Yes. Uh, he was there on the panel. R. Gopalakrishnan was there on the, on the, on the panel. Uh, Matthew Panikar, uh, who was uh, the finance director of the company, was there on the panel. Uh, so these were the... the, uh, the who was the chairman of HUL? Uh, chairman Dr. Ashok Ganguly. Ashok Ganguly. Dr. Ganguly was the, the chairman there when I, when I joined. And uh, yeah, so end of it all, uh, they made me an offer letter. They said, uh, you are selected. So I called up my dad. I told him, look, I've been selected. But, uh, so he's, his only question was, he says, yeah, they make... Uh, they make soap and dalda and all this mm. uh, thing, you know, that, that's all I know about this company. What salary are they giving you? So okay. I gave him my, my salary. He said, it looks decent for your age and uh, for your experience, you know, it's, it's, they're paying you well. So I asked my uncle, who was in the IAS, I said, uh, uncle, I still want to you know, crack, the, uh, crack the IAS. He said, uh, he said, Suresh, that's all well. Uh, you know, my, my classmate uh, is doing very well in Hindustan River. Uh, Shunu Sen was his classmate. Oh, Shunu Sen so was his classmate. So he said, Shunu was my classmate, doing very well in Hindustan River. And uh, uh, maybe uh, you also do well. And incidentally, you might want to get into the IAS, but if you land up with a service that you don't want, then you're stuck. Then you're stuck. So, do you want to gamble that? I said, no, I don't want to gamble that. So, hence my journey in the corporate world. Okay. So, how do you react to the fact that in the corporate pantheon, you're one of the few business leaders who uh, have a master's in economics, but not a CA or an MBA or an engineer, which most CEOs are. Was that an impediment along your way, or was the fact that Unilever trained, trained you very well? Look, I think uh, two things. One, uh, Unilever trained me very well. And I think from day one, uh, they never made a distinction. Uh, they said, you know, you're good talent. Whatever they saw in me, I, I can't exactly say what they saw in me, but they saw something in me. So I think the training was uh, was, was 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 very good. And secondly, it, uh, you know, I have been a reasonably good uh, student, and uh, I always felt that uh, you can try harder and you can try and make up for some of the inadequacies of not having gone through a business school education. But the fact is. The base of management studies is economics. I mean, let's, yep. let's not forget that Peter Drucker uh, had a PhD in economics. Yeah, yeah, right? yes. Uh, you know, he was not a easy yeah. have a PhD in management, but Drucker is the guru of, uh, management. Of, of management. 
Philip Kotler, yeah. uh, the great marketing guru, had a PhD in economics. You know, he wasn't a, a marketing uh, PhD. So I realized that here were people who had uh, strong foundations in economics, and I was privileged uh, and blessed to study at uh, the best, the best uh, school of economics uh, in this country. And in fact, I would say east of the Suez, uh, this was the, the considered to be the best. And I had some of the most outstanding professors at that uh, time who were, uh, who were there to teach me. Which years were there at the school? 79 to 81. 81. So and 81 you joined HUL. 81 I joined HUL. So I had people like, for example, uh, you might remember uh, Professor Raj Krishna, who was a yeah. member of the Planning Commission. Dharma uh, Kumar also taught me. Uh, uh, Professor Sukhumai Chakravarti, who was uh, also there, Professor Mrinal Dutta Chaudhary. Yeah, all well-known uh, They were all top-notch, uh, top Kaushik Basu. Kaushik Basu. Yeah, Kaushik Basu was there. Prana Roy was my tutor, uh, yeah. actually. Yes. Yeah, he's from D-School, correct? Yes, he was also uh, from D-School. Pulit Nayak, many, many, uh, Professor A.L. Nagar for econometrics. I mean, these were, they were giants. I mean, they were, they were the best in their field. So, I've learned with... Uh, I've been taught by these people, so I I never felt intellectually inferior or uh, felt inadequate. I would say I have to catch up on some of these things. But your training quickly brought you up to speed on business concepts, on yeah, they sales. Were, they were. Okay, See, I think one yeah. of the things, the hallmark of a great organization is how you prepare your leaders, and I think uh, I think their their leader did a great job of, of preparing me as a leader. Gave me the the confidence, the legs, and uh, incidentally, I had you know uh, people like uh, Gopal Krishna, who himself was an IIT engineer but not an MBA. Mm-hmm. So I said, look, I mean, we have got people like this, uh, and uh, remember, I was attached to the oil buying uh, uh, group of the company, and uh, the head was uh, a gentleman called Mr. VP Menon. And the VP Menon uh, did not have any formal qualifications; he rose to be a very senior guy in the company. So I said, look, all these people don't, don't have any, uh, you know, qualifications that uh, have distinguished them for that job. But they have done extremely well. Mm-hmm. They've been, they've shown their metal, they've shown their caliber, and they've risen to these levels. I will take a shot. And, uh, so how long did you spend levers? Levers, I was there for almost uh, 16 years, and uh, and I must say I was very happy. I'm grateful. I'll always be grateful to to levers for. Uh, making me the the business manager and the leader that I that I that later on I, I went on to be. I think I think it was it was a lot. Uh, hugely grateful to, to 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 Nestle for giving me the opportunities to do the things that I did, and uh, I think convincing me on the power of uh, of not just scale but also culture to make things happen. And uh, to all my colleagues, I think I have many. I'm still in touch with a lot of people uh, in the old Lever organization. And uh, when I was there in at Colgate, uh, which I think how many years were you in Colgate? Uh, just a year. Okay. Just a year. Colgate is a is a very fine company. I think it's one of the most human companies that I've. I was actually a little bit scared when I joined Colgate because I had this misapprehension on what is uh, euphemistically called the American style of management. Uh, but Colgate was anything but that, and, and I think a, a wonderful organization with great set of values and, uh, and uh, solid uh, foundations in the country. So, labor you spent 
in various functions? Various in various businesses. Various businesses. Yeah, I was. I started my career in the animal feeds division in in Nagpur, and then in Ahmedabad. Then I went. I was part of the new products division in brand marketing. I ran the hand-knotted carpets business of the company. That a business? Hand yeah, hand-knotted carpets because you remember the exports. Exports. Ten yeah. percent yeah. of your turnover has to be in exports. So, exports. so we had hand-knotted carpets. So I also uh, you know, ran a unit out of Varanasi for one year. Uh, then I was in the in the garment export business of the company. So uh, the most unfashionable person to be in the fashion business, but anyway. I was given that thing. Then I became a branch manager in uh, Lipton, uh, head of sales for Brookpond Lipton. And that's when I, I, I left. Where was it? In Brookpond? Uh, Bro- Bangalore. It was in Bangalore. The combined company, Brookpond and Lipton, yeah. came together. So I was uh, the head of sales for uh, for for that company, and uh, that's when I shifted to uh, to to Colgate. So uh, I must say that uh, yeah, I've had more than more than a dozen moves uh, in my 40 years. Some international, many domestic, but uh, I think each one I've learnt, each one has given me a, a different exposure, a different set of uh, problems, uh, many crises. You know, yeah. I, you know I, I keep, I don't know whether I was blessed or whether I was chosen <laughs> or I was cursed, uh, yeah. but I've seen numerous crises in my in So my, which are the ones? I mean... No, I mean, no conversation will be complete without asking about that Maggie crisis, but which are the other crises? Uh, well, my, my, first, uh, my first assignment when I was an uh, area manager for the animal, animal feeds business in Ahmedabad, a small unit, you know, it is a great nurturing ground for entrepreneurs. The company then had that business which is sold afterwards. Uh, you ran a unit and it produced cattle feed and poultry feed and you had workers, you had a factory, you had a sales area and you were the, like the general manager of the unit. You were called an AFS area manager. I really fancied that job even though it was not fancied by many because it was a bit of a dirty job. You, know, mm. the, you had to sit in a factory which, which smelt of fish meal and all mm. kinds of stuff. But I quite a, kind of enjoyed it and, and I didn't like the trappings of a regular office anyway. So, uh, I go to this unit. And that was in Bombay? That was in Ahmedabad. Ahmedabad. In uh, Naroda Industrial Estate. And, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm extremely happy. I'm all of uh, 22 years old. And I said, wow, you know, 23, I must have been here. 23 at the time. Saying, you know, great assignment for me to be in. Uh, within six months, I'm told that you have to uh, shut down this factory because we are shifting to a unit in uh, close to Baroda <coughs> in Hello. I was completely shocked. I said, I have to now uh, uh, get rid of people and, uh, and close a factory and 30, 35 workers. Uh, all of them were as old as my, my dad. Right? And what years in the company? years in the company and how do I make that happen? So, and also it was a fairly militant uh, labor situation in, in Ahmedabad at that time, you know. Early 80s. Uh, so, virtual baptism by fire. Baptism by fire. So, I, I did that. And then, soon after that, then I had a, you know, I was part of the new products uh, division of, of, of Lipton. And uh, we had one of the most successful launches of uh, a fruit drink uh, called Tree Top. You know. uh, got off to a great uh, start. 
did tremendously well and then landed up with a huge quality issue and the delamination of the of the laminate uh, happened and we had to destroy tons and tons and tons of, of, of product and mm -hmm. of course the brand also ultimately uh, shut down so that was part of that what, what was the brand it's called treetop treetop okay uh, it's a it was a food oh, drink. i remember that yeah yeah treetop but i've but i've seen yeah. it in the in the market in chennai yeah. and all it was doing extremely well so that was the other one then uh, when brookborn and lipton uh, merged uh, i was the you know there were five branches of brookborn and lipton in, in the western region and i was picked by the management to be the branch manager for the combined five so i had to deal with uh, five unions and also uh, trying to get people and can you imagine when brookborn and lipton guys hated each other we were yeah. fierce competitors my job in lipton was to ensure that taza was on the shelf uh, that uh, that uh, uh, super dust was on the shelf uh, or super dust was not on the shelf because it was a brookborn brand and indeed Uh, red label is knocked off. Yeah. Right. That's what I was trained to. And not suddenly you had to. Suddenly, and in fact, my first meeting I remember. Uh, you embraced the competitors. Couple of salesmen, they refused to sit next to each other. So I said, "Look, we are all one family." He said, "What nonsense are you saying, family?" Two. We just keep killing each other. There were fifty, fifty plus salesmen, fifty-year-old plus salesmen. So they looked at me and they said, "Sir, what are you saying, family?" Till. Till yesterday, if I saw him on the street, I would kill him. Mm -hmm. And now you're telling us to come together. Come together. So that was a big, a big challenge: getting, getting everyone together and, and, and doing that. Uh, that challenge, uh, notwithstanding, then uh, the the next big uh, uh, challenge was uh, uh, the Arab Spring. Of course, you were there in Egypt. Five years. Five Egypt, years in right. Egypt. Yes, five years in Egypt. that was a that was a big uh, big uh, big challenge how do you run an operation when you don't speak a word of the language in a situation where internet is cut and when there is chaos in the country and all surrounding it was i had i was uh, the chairman of uh, nestle in north africa so i had uh, libya sudan and egypt so you could choose which country you wanted to call stable in some sense there i think sanjeev mehta was also at unilever sanjeev mehta was the chairman of unilever middle east so yeah. both in egypt at that time yeah okay yeah. no he was he was in dubai dubai okay. looking after the entire right. middle east and, uh, and you were based in dubai as well i was no i was based in uh, cairo cairo okay right to the heart of it i was there when it started 25th january 2011 okay police day as it is called turned out to be and my office was not very far my my office uh, you know i used to be in the hsbc building in an area called uh, zamalek Uh, that was barely ten uh, uh, minutes drive from uh, Tahrir Square. So yeah. literally, my office was there, and, and Tahrir Square was was was, uh, was uh, close by. Yeah. But yeah, it was it was they were exciting, uh, tense moments. But uh, again, I think the the power of Nestle, the power of culture, the power of people coming together. I I respect the Egyptians a lot because uh, we said, look, what do you want to do? first thing i said to my team was my management team was i said maybe we decide to send back our families but none of us will leave this country because i said a leader never leaves uh, you have to be there when uh, when uh, 
I mean, the team is going through difficult times. Many companies had flights booked out. People were sent out to uh, to London, to Dubai, wherever. You know, uh, we decided to send our families back because some of our expats had very young children. Uh, my wife was very happy being there. She said, "Look, I don't perceive a threat, and neither did I perceive a threat because the Egyptians they they love Indians, and they said we have nothing against you. We have something against our leader. So mm-hmm. why should you get worried?" But we said no. It's prudent to to send the families back, and uh, uh, I was there. Therefore, uh, and we asked the team. We said, "Look, do you want to engage at this time? And should we do our best, or should we just hunker down and mm-hmm. wait for better times?" Very large operation. Very large. Uh, very large operation. Uh, we had two factories, and uh, we were number one in ice cream, number one in water, number one in coffee. In most categories, we were number one in that country. And uh, so they said, no, we will we will be here and we will do uh, what we should do. So in the five years, uh, the the company grew by an average twenty five percent each year. And we invested throughout the crisis. Throughout the crisis, and we invested more in five years than we invested in the previous fifteen years. So we put up new facilities at that point in time. We were top of the charts uh, in recruitment. At the American University of Cairo, uh, Nestle was one of the sought-after companies. Youngsters joined us. We opened a new head office at that point in time. Uh, very vibrant, very, uh, very uh, uh, innovative uh, group of people. We got into the company. The company did well. So, crisis was an opportunity. And uh, of course, from there, I went to Philippines briefly because I was given the, the uh, you know, the respite, saying of being five years in. Uh, in, in, in an absolute storm, the company was very considerate, sending me to Philippines, which is one of our biggest and most prestigious markets in, uh, in the one of very large market. Okay. Uh, we were, I think, the fourth or fifth largest company in the country. Right. Uh, but then that was only a short four years, uh, four months, four months, when the Maggie crisis yeah. uh, happened. So coming to that, I know you've talked a lot about the Maggie crisis and various four hours and all that. But just two questions from that. What were the learnings for you personally from that crisis and the learnings for Nestle as a company from that Maggie crisis? I think uh, a few, personally, a few lessons for me. I think uh, the three most important lessons is uh, the power of purpose, of sincerity and people. I think that is what it was. Um, Whatever was done, I know a lot is attributed to me, but I think a huge amount was done by the people and the partners in the company. And uh, I think we were, we are always an ethical, honest company. My job as the as a as a leader at that point in time was to communicate that. And uh, uh, I think I'm I'm very grateful to the to the to to, to the media that for having also reflected on the decency of the company and of putting out the facts as they were. And I think that for me is very important. So the power of people uh, and the power of purpose very clearly was was, was a big learning for me. Number two is that uh, uh, many times reality is not reality, but perception is reality. Yeah, that's true. So, uh, I think the perception that initially went around that something was horribly wrong 
and where we took our time to, to, to respond. Not because we didn't want to respond, but, but Tesla's style is always that you deal one-to-one. If there's an issue with the regulator, you deal with the regulator. You don't allow yourself to be sidetracked. Be, be sidetracked. So that was the intention. But unfortunately, that's not the way in which uh, yeah, the, just uh, the public out. and the, the media looked at it. And it spiraled out of control. And also, if you recall, uh, that was a, it was a perfect storm. There was no other big piece of news, either economic or political at that point in time. So we became, you know, we are... We are, a, we are a popular large brand of baggy, but we are not the biggest thing in this country. Mm-hmm. We, are, we are one brand among many brands. Yeah. And we became a whipping horse. We became a whipping horse. So in a, in a sense, I think that was the the the, the, the second uh, the lesson that reality is never reality. Perception is 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 is, is reality. And the third one really is uh, that it gave us, uh, you know, it was it was like a trial by fire. And it helped us to strengthen the company a lot more. So we became a more innovative company. We became a more inclusive company. We became a more approachable company. You That's know, my, true. My, yeah. my, uh, my own, uh, both the backbone and the capability to meet uh, people in the media, in different walks of the environment, uh, to explain our point of view, uh, became a lot more. And uh, I think... You know, the fact is that all that translated into performance. So, <clears throat> I remember when I, when I took over, uh, the share price of the company was, I think, 5,000 or... Yeah, years. some 20,000 or something. Right. Wow. It's <laughs> now hit, hit about uh, almost... 19,500 or, or so. So, uh, I, think, I think that was, that was uh, translated also uh, into, into, into performance. And uh, uh, these also then become become important lessons for the company as well that uh, yeah so was there a brief given to you by the top management Nestle or you just made your own brief no I think actually one of the things is that uh, you know I obviously I was put in here because I had the complete uh, trust of the of the top management I mean I remember when uh, when this happened when I got the call from my global CEO and from my immediate boss uh, who was that? Uh, there's a lady called Wan Ling Martello. Wan? Wan Ling. W-A-N-L-I-N-G. Wan. M-A-R-T-E-L-L-O. Wan Ling Martello. She had uh, come to us. She was the CFO of the company. She had come to us from Walmart. And uh, uh, she called me. She Swiss, Switzerland-based. Switzerland-based. And she was the uh, the uh, the director in charge of Asia, Oceania and Africa. And uh, she called me up. She said, Suresh, we want you back in India. So I was, I was quite stunned you know, because here I was in Philippines and having a, quite a nice time. And uh, so I, I sort of told my wife, I said, look, uh, you know, there are 300,000 employees in this company, and I don't know why I am the only fellow who seemed to be selected for this uh, for this particular job. So uh, initially it, it was it was uh, a shock. Then I called up my dad, my late father. I told him, I said, Appa, they are calling me back to India. So he said, Just you know, he is one of those uh, old school, uh, duty first. So he said, uh, son, your duty is to your company. You always converse in Tamil or in English? Yes, so converse in English, English and Tamil yeah. both. Uh, so he told me, he said, Pa, duty is not a mother. Lucky would. Pani Vandade. Pani Vandade. He says, duty. 
Secondly, he told me in English, he said, look, you must be trusted. You don't put your worst soldier in yeah, the toughest battle. Right. Yeah. You never do that. Right. So there must be there must they must be having trust and confidence in you to put you into this into this slot. So I, that gave me a lot of confidence. And secondly, the way I looked at it, uh, Vinay, you know, I owe a lot to this team. You know, my, my career in Nestle took off because of the Nestle India team. My my credibility and credentials in the Nestle organization were built by this team. And I had and I am blessed with a lot of respect and credibility with this team. So I said, look, this is their hour of crisis. And I think as a leader, I should go back and help this team, uh, which is a proud team, which is an achieving team, to come back into the limelight. So that was my second uh, thing. And probably the third big lesson for me is uh, you need a certain wisdom and maturity uh, to take on roles at, at, at uh, such junctures. If I was a 40-year-old and I had been given this job, I would have reacted differently because I had a huge you know, runway ahead of me. Mm-hmm. And the fear I would have had is if I botch it up, then yeah. I'm finished. Yeah, yeah. Right. When I'm in my mid-50s and you give me this job, the way I took it was, and I, my father told me, he said, Parupa, successful or you're okay. Illena, retirement wind, Nila Virekwa, Hindu paper, and filter coffee, you'll get. So, these are the, this is the way. So, when you don't worry about consequences to yourself, I think you do a much better job as a leader. Then you do what is right. Not what is right for you, mm. and I think I think that sometimes today in 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 the COVID situation itself, why do some organizations flounder? It's seldom because of terrible strategies or because of poor execution capabilities. It's often because the leadership and the leadership team doesn't have the depth, the maturity, and the perspective to look at the larger issues in life and managing business rather than managing themselves and their fortunes. Mm. Good point. And that's where that's where the rubber hits the road. Because your your people will 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 always remember the way you made them feel in a difficult situation. Not what happened to you. Yeah. You got a promotion, you got X, Y, Z, mm. it's you know good luck to you. But what did you do about the larger uh, cause of people? And I think that these are, for me, these are these are useful lessons. And you see this every day. You know, when you when you see a, a, a army officer on the borders, what is he doing? He's trying to protect his country and protect his people. He's not worried all the time that you know is a bullet going to come at me. So if you are less worried about the bullet coming at you, but more concerned about the bullets not spraying themselves on your people. So let me jack back a little. Uh, so I heard that you're very fond of Dohas and couplets, and your uh, this come from your background in Hindi. And Surprisingly, it came out of uh, my my Hindi. In uh, you know, firstly, my first language I learned was Hindi because right. my, uh, when I was born, my father was in Bhopal and uh, with the PWD, and then he. Uh, he shifted his job to border roads, okay. and then we went to Dehradun. So therefore, Hindi, Hindi became my, my 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 almost my first language before I learned anything else. 
but actually my my love for dohas uh, is completely and totally attributable uh, to my hindi teacher in okay. kishi valley a venerable gentleman called mishra ji mishra ji mishra okay. ji so mishra ji is the one who gave me my love for dohas and uh, because he used to read them right. with a lot of expression and somehow it triggered something in me that you know it's 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 meaningful and he used to explain the meaning also extremely well right so all the dohas that i that i sometimes say are dohas that i remember from, from 45 years ago okay in school so what is your favorite doha if you want if i were to ask you to recite one look i think one which which i always remember is bura jo dekhan mai chala bura na milia koi bura jo dekhan mai chala which is i went out into this world to look for bad people bura na milia koi i didn't find anybody didn't find anybody jo dil khoja apna when i looked at introspected and looked at myself mujhsa bura na koi nobody was that person yeah so i think that constant quest to be a better human to be a better person is what sant kabir said this is a kabir doha this is a kabir doha and and this was uh, uh, told to me first by my hindi teacher and like this many dohas he used to okay in fact he used to compose some of his own we were in a, in a hostel yeah so uh in the morning he used to to come and, uh, and to wake us up normally you know you would expect a teacher to knock knock and wake up get up get up get up but uh, he would he would say uh, i think something that he himself composed he went like this he said uth jaag musafir uth jaag musafir get up traveler traveler bhor bhai it's now the dawn yeah ab chain kahan jo sovat hai why do you sleep yeah yeah and how do you have the the ability to sleep right jo sovat hai wo rovat hai oh it's sleep she cries more cries jo jagat hai so pavat hai uth jao bhai okay you know so i remember this because he used to uh, i think for 2 3 years he was my house master so you remember every, this for all these years yes and he used to say this to you every morning so i think you know i think that just gets embedded in your one of the one of the things uh, when i reflect on it, that's what i'll probably do in my next stage of my career is i want to be a teacher because i think the greatest impact anybody can have in this world apart from of course medical and you know those uh, people who save your lives is actually the teacher whatever i'm telling you today are all values built by them yeah the fact that you remember it for so many years and blazed into your memory yes yeah. it is yeah. it is changed into your memory yeah it will remain with you all your life and of course uh, mishra ji unfortunately passed away a few months ago and you were in touch with them and uh, no we were not uh, some of my my classmates uh, were, in, were in touch with them so uh, we were all deeply saddened because of many of us Uh, we have in fact one of our english teachers who passed away 2 3 days ago again so many memories and such strong memories with teachers because what they do to you i don't think sometimes even parents don't do and even later on in your own lives uh, your colleagues don't impact you as much as a teacher so 
my love for for doas my teacher some of the principles and values that i hold dear teachers uh respect decency and empathy vishivali who was the guru there jay krishna murti so i may not be an expert in krishna murti's philosophy but what the values would being left behind in that school as values have remained and i think that's why the education the field of education uh is so so important to our country right yeah. so so important. the foundation yeah it's a foundation yeah. without it i really and i i salute every teacher and uh, even in my own uh, rishivali group we have a few of my uh, classmates who went on to be teachers and i keep telling them i said look yours is the noblest contribution you know they keep saying you know you're a great ceo and i said look being a great ceo is not half as fulfilling as being a great teacher because you have influenced i don't know how many hundred students in your life and they will go on to influence many more hundred people mm. so the impact of them is much more uh, like a like a like a fragrant bouquet yeah much more manifest then what a ceo was a ripple effect is far more yeah exactly right so um uh so rishivari was one which you say influenced you a great deal uh they always say it's lonely at the top for a ceo so where do you look for your inspirations for your guidance at look for me for me i think we have a few things one is my i'm very close to my family my wife is someone who's uh who's been a a pivotal influence in my life rajita has been very very uh, you know she's she's the one who keeps me my feet firmly planted on the ground i have a daughter uh, who's, who lives and works in the us again has been a, a, a real influence on it for the names rajita 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 okay r a j i t a avanti avanti is your daughter so I think my parents have played a very uh, important role. Yeah, uh, I gathered as much because you and uh, and I think you know the the two people who who really have cemented the power of uh, the power of communication, the power of relationships. Uh, my maternal and my paternal grandmother, both the parties uh, I spent time with, and uh, Nani, as I used to call my mother's mother, uh, she was probably. one of the most inspiring people that i have met and uh, the whole value of human relationships uh, and cultivating uh, an attitude of magnanimity you know she would forgive anybody people would say all kinds of things and she would say ara poda ara nalo chinna you know and i think that was tremendous capability tremendous capability that that she gave me and my paternal grandmother a very quiet person not not prone to much uh, talk she would be thinking a lot of the time she spent uh, her last years with 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 uh, my parents and uh, with me and she told me something in tamil which i i still remember kalam ponalu varthi nikko so she used to say times will go by but the words the words remain so she used to always tell me alang the pace careful with your words be very careful with your words and and and, and say only what you mean wonderful yeah and i think i think these are uh, these these the, uh, these people in a sense have defined 
uh, even my own reaction. So sometimes when I'm in, in, a, in a difficult spot, I will uh, think at how would my mother have reacted, how would my party, my party have reacted to it. Uh, my mother was a lasting influence for me, a very imaginative uh, person. Storytelling. You know, she's a she's a master storyteller. She would. What's your mom's name? Shanti. Shanti. Yeah. So she would uh, she would say stories uh, at the drop of a hat, and she would articulate many stories. So we actually had a, we actually had a language because we didn't want our father to understand, my mm. father to figure out all that we were saying. Mm. So we had we had a language that was part Tamil and part English, and a bit of Hindi thrown in. Okay. That. The two of us only would speak in what would be the moments where we didn't want my dad to understand what we were saying. Okay. And uh, so I mean, it's it's uh, it's this kind of uh, this kind of uh, warmth of uh, relationships. And then of course my my my, my colleagues. I mean, I, one of the things I've always believed in is uh, I have been blessed, and I think I try and cultivate. Uh, my relationships with my colleagues, which are more than just uh, transaction. My close team, I know them well. Uh, I'm able to, I think I have a little bit of gift to be able to assess them, their strengths, their motives, uh, their inspirations, and uh, and try and and, and try and uh, get them to do the best for uh, for the company. Many times. Uh, I don't feel that loneliness at the top because I I have them and uh, they have the privilege of telling me what they feel. But what about from the professional world? I mean, or do you look at readings or from people that you get your ideas from? I do, I do, I do read. As I as I mentioned, I do, I do have good uh, good friendships. Uh, you know, uh, my peer group companies. Uh, I have a, a friendly relationship with, with uh, most of the CEOs. You know, we, we compete like hell in the marketplace, uh, but uh, I think we are all uh, firmly what I would call uh, middle class, uh, professional, and people who have risen to the to the top by the dint of hard work. You so know. you have that camaraderie. You know, you have that. You know, so these are uh, uh, my 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 peer group CEOs. I I. Uh, I have that relationship with them, and I think it's it's mutual. Uh, but yes, it's uh, it's only friendship. Uh, when we compete, we compete uh, head on, and I I never I never compromise on that. Right. You know, and that's that's something that missing a target, missing an objective, missing a KPI is is yes. anathema to me. I don't like it. Right. So uh, last year, I think you were saying that. Rural India growth was good. Coming back to yeah. the business, so the rural India growth was good and it could uh, be good for the company. But what's the situation this year? Look, I think overall, uh, overall terms, uh, growth has been uh, has been uh, uh, fairly strong for us. You know, uh, at least for the uh, you know we are operate January to December, so we declared results uh, till September, and uh, I think the results have been fairly strong. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, pretty and. Uh, you know, for us, the rural growth has been outstripping urban growth. Uh, and this has been true for the last couple of years. It's not just uh, just last few quarters. Uh, so we, we do see, you know, we'll have the bumps, you know, with, uh, 
the way I see it is with 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 Omicron, we might have a few bumps. We don't know. Right. Operational issues, but I think we have learnt along the way how to cope with it. I think when it first hit us, uh, it took all of us by surprise. But now we have got coping mechanisms: manufacturing, logistics, distribution, uh, selling, marketing. You know, we've 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 got internal mechanisms now which are fairly strong. Uh, I do see that uh, you know, if God willing, if Omicron doesn't turn out to be a huge, a complete disaster for the country. That actually we might recover quite strongly, because I, I don't, I see ourselves as a strong consumption economy, and I don't see ourselves derailing so quickly. Right. We will, we will. Of course, if this leads into, God forbid, something like the second wave that we had in May, June. One doesn't know. I can't, I can't say how how bad it it can be. But uh, if it turns out to be relatively benign, uh, I think the whole sector, uh, the, the consumer sector, should be uh, should be in for uh, relatively uh, smoother uh, growth. Of course, the specter of inflation is still on us. Yeah, costs. Yeah, costs are up. Uh, you know, across the board, you can see uh, manufacturers have had to take up prices. Commodity packaging costs. Everything. Everything. Is up. Everything is up. Plus, of course, petrol price, diesel price. Right? Everything is up. So, that's something we can't run away from. I said this a couple of months back. I continue to maintain that. I think the specter of inflation is something that we have to watch. So, we're going to see a round of price hikes from next year. Or? We've already had some price hikes that we have done. Uh, we are watching, and uh, you know, we would, we would, uh, we would not want the the engine of growth to be impacted, uh, and you know. For us, penetration-led volume growth is the core of what has been our successful mantra in the last uh, five to six years. One wouldn't like that to be derailed, but uh, we'll have to see as as right. things go back. Do you see the 25% from rural areas contribute to sales? Do you see that going up? Well, we are we are strongly uh, putting behind uh, a rural strategy, which has been already uh, you know in the in execution. Which is getting into uh, uh, 120,000 uh, villages, uh, getting into uh, into more of the tier two, tier three type towns, putting in more infrastructure, uh, tailoring our portfolio, putting in more feet on the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, so all that will continue. So I would see the dial uh, gradually starting to move, uh, and uh, this is gives me the confidence that. Uh, Uh, the time for Nestle has really come in the minds of the consumer, and uh, it's not just an urban phenomenon. Today, in smaller towns, people know Maggie, know Kit Kat, know Nescafe, know our nutrition brands, mm-hmm. and uh, that's heartening. And with the post-pandemic, where quality of nutrition, uh, quality and safety of brands, and longevity and uh, and uh, reputation of brands are become very important. Yeah, you talked last time when we had a conversation. You said you, you a lot of new products in the pipeline. Yeah. So have all that rollout happened? Yeah, we have. Uh, you see, we have uh, in the last uh, three to four, for the last four to five years, almost ninety new products have been have been launched. Uh, we have uh, another twenty, thirty uh, projects on the on the okay. right. So, but I think at the moment, what what we are trying to do is really focus on the core to see that the core. Continues to get the strongest support because in any business model, 
the core that contributes to more than half your turnover and more than half the your the core is for you to be the milk food or the baby you know, food the the, uh, uh, the 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 current portfolio of brands that we have got in milks and nutrition in uh, prepared dishes in chocolates confectionery and in coffee this this is the core yeah so this core we would like it to, to keep growing to yeah. keep growing and to be having adequate fuel for growth so in terms of uh advertising and promotions uh, in terms of distribution support uh capex support etc etc that this this remains strong we have as you know announced 26 billion, uh, billion of of investment uh almost half of it is now completed uh and that will really be supporting these four four categories the innovation platform uh is also working on hyperdrive but the innovation platform will start seeing even stronger traction when things start becoming a little bit more clearer on the environment then because i don't want a situation where i launch argument say 20 new products and find that you know distribution in half the places is not taking place you know there's a there's a problem in the factory there's a problem in these in the supply of material it's not a good way to do things so at the moment the the focus is is very clear the core must deliver and if the core powers then the rest of it can be and be right so are they all national products or the products tailored for no, specific market no this is as you know we have uh, today uh, what we call a 15 cluster approach which is we have clustered uh, the country into into different uh, uh, channel brand uh, sku category uh, geographies uh, we have a fairly strong uh, data analytics uh, group uh, it's a project called midas which really uh, uh, is called built multi intelligence data analytics system uh, so we use the power of, of data and information which we have got uh, fairly well aligned across the organization uh, to geo target products so i think the days when you had one product and you spread it all over india that's that's expensive mm-hmm. and also inefficient uh, today we have got more geographically targeted uh, products focused products just give me some example what uh... like for example uh, 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 we uh, we've uh, got uh, let's say nescafe sunrise right nescafe sunrise is largely a south and west centric brand mm-hmm. uh, we won't have it all over the uh, the 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 uh, country short popular in the north no okay so nescafe is okay right so uh, like this you you got different you know we got masala and magic for example or we got our our uh, spice mix and answer uh, called masala and magic so there is a masala and magic for the north and west part for south it's called masala masala wind magic which is tailored to the uh, tamil puriyal or to okay those kind of things so again geo targeted i will not take this and put it there right. simply because there is a tamil population in delhi doesn't mean i'll put it there right maybe through the uh, informal channels informal channel it may land up there but it will be distributed in the south so like this uh, focusing plans on and skus on particular geographies right so um, how many from how many outlets do you want to expand how many outlets do you have in rural india or all india see we we cover about close to 5 million outlets 5 million so we will reach in the next couple of years maybe 6 6 1/2 million outlets that's the overall okay. but again more than the number of outlets i think it's the quality of distribution that matters okay uh, for us because uh, 
we will never be like a like a like a like uh, you know uh, categories like biscuits or tobacco they go to many more outlets but there it makes sense for them yeah. in my case my portfolio uh, is such that it, they have to go to a certain uh, type of outlet where the throughput per outlet is reasonable enough for us to do a distribution model right right just one last question before we maybe you can converse over lunch as well um, are there any irreversible consumer trends you have seen in this past two years which i think there are there are three trends which to me will be will be irreversible number one is the trust and uh, uh, the trust in the quality of reputation of brands that uh, i think the 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 older more prone brands will have an advantage number two is uh, uh, seeking uh, immunity and safety for the family uh, that is not likely to go away because this covid doesn't look like it's walking away tomorrow and then god knows what else follows on this and the third is the quality of nutrition uh, will not will not uh, go away either people will uh, buy products which are uh, more efficacious on the nutrition front and probably the fourth trend would be seeking value will not go away because people are going to be strapped for budgets you know inequality has gone up in this pandemic those who can afford can buy anything those who can't afford are struggling so seeking value will continue to be important so these four trends i think are going to be here for a while what about the digital play i mean digital yeah, that's a that's a very good uh, point and yes i think uh, that's uh, i was talking at more from a concept for a, from a product centric uh, space but yes uh, i think digital as a as a way of business and the, as a way of interface as a way of communication uh, has become an imperative uh, i don't think any company can can now have a pure uh, offline brick and mortar kind of approach uh, to uh, to marketing and operations uh, companies will be forced to because of the digital connect that the consumers are in and india is today the fastest growing market for for uh, uh, digital connectivity in the world i mean we consume more data than even china i believe no <laughs> so uh, yeah. you know that, that's the reason why companies like ours look forward to a brighter future because uh, the guys sitting in gumrimpundi and the guys sitting in chennai are watching the same videos yeah they're watching the same movies they're watching they're, they're aspiring to the same role products and role models yeah. so they will buy the same products so today how much is digital in your overall strategy digital we would uh, no digital is fairly big uh, uh, in some brands it will be as high as uh, half the spend in oh. some brands it will be uh, uh, about 10 to 15% so overall terms is about uh, 30 30% 30 35% at least would be is on sales from digital is uh, is uh, uh, investment on digital Oh, your investment. Yeah. Okay, but I'm saying what oh, about you mean from e-commerce? E-commerce, yeah. we get about five to six percent. Okay, sales, right. Which was point six percent three four years ago. Okay, our business has grown about seven eight times. Right. So, which brands would you be spending more on digital? Uh, many of our Maggie spends a lot on digital. Nescafe uh, spends a lot on digital. Kit Kat spends a lot on digital. So these are Milk Maid spends a lot on digital. 
Because this is where the consumers are. Consumers are. I mean, the, during the pandemic, uh, baking, for example, yeah, has become yeah. a very, very important hobby. So milkmaid was suggested. Milkmaid. You know, I know we I ourselves mean, have bought a lot of milkmaid. And where do we, where yeah. do we put milkmaid on? Digital. Yeah. Because in all the baking sites, and many of the, you know, one of uh, our, our own site, milkmaid.com, mm. is also one of the most frequented sites mm. for uh, dessert recipes. So it's become a huge hit for the baking uh, uh, aficionados. So I'm just curious, an organization like say Nestle, I ask this question of most CEOs. Most of you, your middle management are all grown up in B schools and all from the 80s. So is there somebody actually teaching you the new media, the social media, is there any I try, training you know, I, going on? <coughs> well, we do get uh, exposed to it. Uh, what I really try and do is to learn from the youngsters in the company. I, I don't, I haven't done serious reverse mentoring of, of, of a sort and especially in COVID times it becomes even more difficult. Uh, but I do ask uh, dumb questions mm. at these meetings because honestly <coughs> my level of exposure is, is quite limited. And no, and these youngsters are kind of born to it. Yeah. So I think it's, uh, it's fascinating to see the way in which they think about, uh, about these things and uh, yeah, therefore, I, my first lesson was when we came back with uh, relaunched Maggie in 2015, uh, after the crisis, uh, the, my my first instinct was to launch in the trade, you know, to go, that's the way I was being taught, you know, yeah. go to shops and uh, give boxes of sweets and, and hug each other and, you know, launch the brand. Till a youngster, uh, an assistant brand manager, he, he told me, sir, uh, I have a slightly different idea. I said, what is your idea? I said, sir, let us launch it on Snapdeal. That time Snapdeal was, yeah. uh, was big. So I said, why Snapdeal? He said, sir, my generation, uh, which is generation for, for Maggie, Maggie yeah. uh, doesn't go to the shops anymore. We order online. Amazon and others. Are and you you launched large packs, right? Yes. Okay. We had those special uh, yeah. uh, Maggie packs. Yeah. Uh, 60,000 packs. We put them on Snapdeal. And they were they went, off, they went off in less than 10 minutes. Yeah. And we had uh, more uh, PR advertising than what we would have generated in six months to a year. People and writing about it. Yeah. Media writing about media it. Media writing about it. And, and, and that idea didn't come from yours truly. It came from an assistant brand manager. At least I had uh, less of the ego uh, to, to allow to go through yeah, yeah. rather than say no, but this is not the way to do yeah. it. But uh, that's true. That's true. Uh, and, and, and today the digital space is is alive and well and uh, and a uh, lot of my brands are are heavily into it and I'm very happy that you know 80% of Nestle are millennials and Generation Z and uh, that's the it's a young company even though it's a, it's a 155 year old company worldwide but it's a young company uh, in terms of people and I'm delighted because these youngsters they know the medium and the message both. Absolutely, yeah. You know, I'm constantly learning from the youngsters in my own because, team. Because yeah. they, they, they have the ideas and they have the... What I'm able to provide them is probably the, the color of wisdom and uh, uh, the touch of pragmatism that look, these, this far and no further because mm -hmm. then it can hurt the company. That's all I can define. Otherwise, ideas are coming from them. The, uh, the pace of innovation is coming from them. Uh, the blitz of, of trying out new things is coming from them. And therefore you see it. I mean, <coughs> when uh, the, the campaign that 
that we recently had on all our brands, uh, Face of Hope. We yeah, changed the, yeah. the, the, the brand logos, all had masks on it. Masks, yeah. Came, yeah. From, came from youngsters. They said, sir, what can, why can't we as a company do something about uh, educating consumers, 100 million of them, uh, in terms of uh, masking? Wearing masks, yeah. That's so awesome. the idea came from them, the execution came from them. My job was to say, yeah, it's a great idea, right. let's go ahead right. and do it. So, yeah, it is, it is like that. That's why I have hope for the country that, uh, you know, if you are able to give a lot of these youngsters opportunities, and that's what we did during the, the pandemic, you know, we, uh, we had these nesternships, you know, a thousand nesternships uh, in 2020 and 2021. What do you call it? Uh, nesternships. These are internships. Okay, Nestor. Nestor. Okay, as a Nestle. Nestle, yeah, internships. So Nesternships. The idea came to me because I had, you know, I had on LinkedIn. So a couple of youngsters sent me a message saying, sir, can we seek a internship in your company? Because uh, we've lost our internship opportunities. Some of us have lost our jobs because of COVID. And uh, I discussed with my then HR director. I told him, I said, look, it's, it's, it, it disturbs me to think that a number of youngsters are being deprived of things that they could have done. Uh, can we do something? And I'm really proud that uh, people in my company came together, a lot of them youngsters, saying, sir, let's have a one-month uh, paid internship program. Online? Ongoing. Uh, we recruit them from, you know, anybody can, uh, any graduate, postgraduate can apply. So we don't have only IIMs or whatever, anybody. So, Jammu University, Bundelkhand University, Madara University, Chennai University, whatever, wherever you are there, you apply for it. And then there is a screening mechanism. Uh, we, had, uh, we had a screening uh, company that uh, helped us. And we, we got them in, in all virtual internships. Thousand, thousand. Thousand each year. But massive exercise. Massive exercise. We did thousand in 2020, thousand in 2021. And at least 2,000 years. So normally our internships are anywhere between 20 to 30 people each year. But we opened it up. So what do they do? You they give them projects. projects. We give them all live projects and they have got mentors. So what we do three things. They have live projects which are useful that will be acted upon. They have mentors within the organization, again dealing with them virtually. And then third, we give them free uh, classes in interviewing skills and oh. CV writing. Okay. How do you write your, your, your CV? So you had some expert talk yes, to them virtually. Yes, we had that. And at least I'm, I'm, you know, I'm happy that 2,000 youngsters had this opportunity. And importantly, Vinay, you know in our uh, CV-driven uh, society, if you put their idea internship in right. it carries value. So other opportunities are open for them. Somebody will say, okay, this, this boy or girl has... But anything translated into employment in Nestle itself? A few of them are being recruited by the company. And also, it opens the eyes of my own people to the fact that talent is available everywhere. Everywhere, not just in... You don't have to go to top 10 business schools to recruit, uh, recruit talent. I'm sure none of the top 10 would have applied for this. No, they, they don't need to. Yeah, because they, they, get, stamped to they, anyway. get, they get stamped up yeah, anyway. Yeah. But uh, no, a lot of a lot of youngsters. Oh, this a lot of youngsters. Wonderful to hear this actually. Yeah. Uh, you know, we. I was very happy that food technologies, uh, digital marketers, uh, manufacturing specialists, electrical engineers, mm. uh, and uh, some people from you know, and, and most of them Vinay were from small towns. Wonderful to hear actually. Yeah. For small towns, they are applying, 
and they are they're coming. I'm I'm happy that at least an opportunity is being you know and this is where you know every time we we keep saying that look the government must do this the government must do it. I also say fine okay there there is a primary task there. I'm not I'm not denying it, but how much private enterprise can also can also do here, yeah. and it. it meant you know it is easier said than done because i you know i put in this idea but i commend uh, and salute the hundreds of nestle employees who devoted time to this apart from their work you know remember they got a full day job yeah yeah on top of that you have got two interns Ma- who need your attention and your family and you know covid and everything else so it's it's it speaks commitment but uh my feedback is from the organization is that people have been very happy with it they said look we feel useful mm-hmm. we you know contribute something, something yeah. for youngsters in this country but this idea became very popular in the nestle world so That's many right. of my my brother markets and sister mm-hmm. markets who took on this idea and said we will we will do it uh, you know we have these uh, nescafe and uh, maggi stores <coughs> that that we open up in yeah. colleges and yeah, yeah, places yeah. the airport and all you see yeah. uh basically my uh, the idea that we had was to create entrepreneurial opportunities today you don't have jobs so a young fellow coming out of a college can just put up a stall can put up a stall he employs two three people he gets a he sells all well known brands mm-hmm. right he gets a decent income he employs a few people and he creates you know they open one two three four like this and they expand so we had franchises uh, youngsters coming to us mm-hmm. starting these franchises as well good perfect to hear there is not really much talked about but I'm glad you spoke about it no i think it's yeah. uh, it's and we have about uh, almost uh, over 700 to 750 of these across the country mm-hmm. the franchise the property, yeah, selling maggi and coffee they have maggi coffee in fact uh, we have one that opened uh, uh, two months ago in nathula Natula pass. Natula pass. Yeah. Yes, there okay. we have it. Oh, Maggi. Yes, sir. Maggi has become comfort food now. Actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so there, that chocolates uh, is run by, I believe, by uh, ex-servicemen, and that is it's a military uh, yeah. establishment. So uh, the army has control of it, and uh, they have given it to an ex-serviceman. It also serves a national cause, and uh, I'm very happy because it creates entrepreneurial opportunities. I met people, uh, youngsters. Who leave uh, good jobs uh, to come and do it? They say, "Look, it's it's more fulfilling. I have my own little four of these uh, small places." Terrific. Good. Right. If you like what you heard, share the link. Check out our site, thehindubusinessline.com, and watch our videos on YouTube.com/backslash/thehindubusinessline. That is YouTube.com/backslash/thehindubusinessline. Thank you for tuning in. You'll hear more from us next time.